Good morning. Today is Monday, December 12, 2022. There is a dramatic and spectacular rupture in Yaakov's family at the beginning of our Torah portion by Yeshev that is going to last for quite some time. And that is, it begins with the jealousy and the enmity between Yosef and his brothers. And that leads them initially to plan to kill him. Eventually selling him into slavery with the same practical result in their mind that they would never see him again. Excuse me. It's just impossible to imagine brothers, supposedly righteous brothers, taking such drastic, violent action against one of them. And the pain that it causes their father Yaakov when they tell him the lie they had prepared that he was killed by a wild animal, the Torah tells us in our parsha, Vayikra Yaakov Simlosov and Yaakov tore his garments, tearing Kriya. Vayosem Sak B'Masasov, he put on sackcloth, Vayisabel Albano Yomim Rabim, and he mourned for his son for many, many days. And all of his sons and all of his daughters tried to comfort him. But he refused to be comforted. And he said, I will go to my grave in mourning. And his father cried for him. Whatever enmity or jealousy the brothers could have had towards Yosef. But how in the world could they do this to their father? And what they did to Yosef. Yes, they did not kill him. They didn't murder him. But they sold him into years of slavery that developed, descended into imprisonment, humiliation, Loneliness, bereft of his family, bereft of his home. Finally, years later, we're going to learn in the Torah in a couple of weeks, it gets worked out. Yosef becomes second command in Mitzrayim. Yosef is able to oversee the collection of food storage for the famine. Eventually, we will learn the brothers are reconciled. Yaakov is eventually reunited with his son Yosef, and it ends okay. No, it does not end okay. In fact, it festers for centuries. Every Yom Kippur, we recall in our prayers how this enmity finally exploded with catastrophic consequences. 
And this is the prayer that we say in the afternoon of Yom Kippur. It starts with the words, Ela Ezgara, these I remember, and it is a retelling of the torture and martyrdom of ten great rabbis, among them Rabbi Akiva, <clears throat> about 1,800 years ago at the hands of the Romans. Now, one of the great difficulties that these prayers raise is the unanswerable question of the suffering of the righteous. Rabbi Akiva and his colleagues should be tortured and killed. And also the problem of how people can be punished for the sins of others, for the actions of others. It is very troubling and very painful. And the prayer begins by quoting the rationale of the Roman gover governor for this reign of terror. Now, <clears throat> I don't know if this is meant to be a literal historical account put into the mouth of this Roman governor, but it certainly is meant to convey the lesson our rabbis want us to learn from these events, especially on Yom Kippur. Because in this prayer we say that the Roman governor reports he's imposing this suffering as punishment for Yosef being sold by his brothers into slavery, which happened about 1,600 years earlier. This is our story. Yaakov had 12 sons, and 10 of them plot to carry out selling their brother Yosef into slavery. Now, <clears throat> no one ever seems to need a legitimate reason to persecute Jews. But for the Roman governor to give this specific reason is very strange. Because the story continues, as we will learn over the next few weeks. Yosef is sold by his brothers as a slave, then descends into slavery, as we'll see at the end of our portion, and then he rises to second in command, just under Paro himself. And eventually, because of this famine, and Yosef is the one who orchestrates that Mitzrayim, that Egypt, should have food stored up, the brothers come to Egypt to buy food because it's the only place that has food in the famine. They don't recognize Yosef. He recognizes them. Ultimately, he reveals himself to them. And then they're very frightened because they did this terrible thing to him years ago. And now he is second in command of the most powerful nation in the world. Their lives are in his hands. And they ask him for forgiveness. But as we will learn in a few weeks, Yosef is gracious to them. And he says to them, don't be upset. It was all part of God's plan that I should be able to provide food for you and for your family during this famine. Don't worry. I'll take care of you. I'll take care of your children. It's okay. 
So it would seem that that's the end of the story. But it's not. Because Yosef never says the words, I forgive you. He says it's okay. He says it's part of God's plan. He says he's going to take care of them. But he never actually says, I forgive you. And in fact, the hurt deep down is never fully resolved. And that hurt was available to be used as a pretext 1,600 years later for terrible suffering among the Jewish people. Rabbi Moshe Feinstein was one of the greatest Torah scholars of the previous generation, the absolute expert in Jewish law, and it once happened in his living room on the Lower East Side of Manhattan that two men came to him to adjudicate a dispute. They had a dispute. They turned to Rav Moshe. Rav Moshe heard both sides. He considered it. And Rav Moshe decided the case. And then Rav Moshe turned to one of them and he said, Ruvain, I'm making up this name. He said, Ruvain, ask Shimon for forgiveness for what you did to him. And Ruvain says to him, I'm sorry for what I did. Please forgive me. And Shimon says, the other person, he says, it's fine. It's not a problem. Ramosha turns to Shimon and says, no, tell him you forgive him. Shimon says, I'm not angry. The case is decided. It's over. Everything is fine. And Rav Moshe looks Shimon in the eyes and he says, Shimon, tell Ruvain explicitly, I forgive you. Shimon says to Ruvain, I forgive you. And they shake hands and they leave. A student of Ramosha was present and he watched this whole thing. And when the men had left, he said to Ramosha, please tell me, Rebbe, why did you insist like you did? Wasn't it enough that the argument was over? Wasn't it enough that they were no longer upset with each other? And Ramosha told this lesson from Yosef and his brothers. He said, that's why I spoke to Shimon like that, because to be forgiven, you have to ask forgiveness and you have to mean it with a full heart. And to grant forgiveness, you have to say, I forgive you. And you have to mean it with a full heart. 
And if you do not say the words explicitly, and if you do not mean it with a full heart, the hurt will remain. You may think you're over it, but it's there, and it will fester, and at some point it will come out. We have to try to completely fix, to fully fix the problems we cause and the problems that are done to us. If we've done something wrong, we have to apologize and we have to mean it with a full heart. And if someone has wronged us and they are sincere when they ask forgiveness... We have to say, we forgive you. I forgive you. And we have to mean it with a full heart. Because any little piece of it that remains, any little part that is still broken, it only gets worse. If someone hurt you, and then they apologize sincerely, you should try to accept it with a full heart, without reservation, explicitly. Sometimes it can be very, very difficult. It could sometimes even be impossible, but you have to try. If it's meant sincerely, to accept it with a full heart. You have to do that for their sake. But much more importantly, you have to do it for your own sake because that's the only way it will truly be fixed. My friends, I want to wish you a great day and I look forward to seeing you soon in person.